0: You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello friends and welcome to the Rua Space Podcast, where we help you make space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your everyday life. I'm Phil. And I'm Aaron, And we are in the midst of our Exploring Revelation series, and today we're going to be in chapters eight and nine-ish. We're doing sort of the first half of Revelation here on the podcast, and the second half is over on Patreon. And it's actually really cool, because over on Patreon, we're also doing guided practices with Revelation, so this past week I did one with the throne room, and... I think it was a lot of fun. And so I do highly recommend go check the link below this episode, the description, and come join on Patreon, help support the ministry, gain access to all sorts of really cool stuff. But today we're in chapters eight and nine. So I
1: want to get started by pointing out that these chapters are where a bulk of the left behind revelation theology comes from. There's a lot of catastrophic predictions here. And so at surface level, when you're reading through it is really easy to say, all right, guys, we're looking for a third of the sea to turn to blood. Like that's a sign that we're (laughs) in during the end times, right? There's these signs that people want to look for. And today we're going to explore this as it was intended, which is not as a future prediction, but to turn our hearts back to Christ. So um, with that being said,
0: Yeah, you know, Revelation, um, you're going to see, and we're going to talk about this a little in the next episode. In chapter 11, the world comes to an end, like it's done, like heaven comes to earth and that's it. So Revelation can't be read linearly, meaning it can't be read just as if this is one straight shot story. Revelation actually works on cycles. And so you have trumpets, you have seals, you have, you know, it's sort of, Um, coming back on itself. And so, like, one really interesting thing, for example, is you see in Revelation um, 6, verses 12 through 17, if I were to go there, um, it talks about how the sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair, the whole moon turned red blood, and the stars in the sky fell to earth. So there, the heavenly bodies seem to be destroyed, Mm. right? Like, they're gone. But here they appear again in Revelation chapter 8. That 12. um, Uh, Verse 12? Yep. Yeah, the fourth angel sounded his trumpet, the sun, a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, except the stars already fell to the earth. So Revelation, again, is meant to make us feel something, Mm -hmm. to try and read the blood idea or the stars falling to earth idea as a literal event. I mean, first of all, the stars in our universe are... Uh, many, many, many light years away, millions, trillions of miles, trillions upon trillions upon trillions of miles. So for a star to hit the earth, we're going to be burned up. Like our earth is just going to like disintegrate long before a star hits our planet, right? Like literally it can't fall to earth. Like it's bigger than the earth. You know what I mean? Even our sun. So these are not literal events. It's meant again to make us feel something, to feel what's happening and then make a choice of which side are we on.
1: So when you read chapter eight and there's these seven angels blowing their trumpets and stuff is happening. One thing that we're meant to recognize here is the parallelism between the plagues that hit Egypt in the Exodus story. So if you think back to Exodus, you've got Pharaoh who wasn't letting God's people go. And Moses keeps petitioning and saying, you've got to let my people go. And every time he goes and Pharaoh hardens his heart and then God sends a plague. And so you've got here, you've got um, hail and fire hurling to the earth and the crops are destroyed. Well, that was very much a part of what happened in the Exodus plagues. Um, You've got the sea turning to blood. That, again, is happening in the Exodus plagues. Darkness. So you've got our first there's going to be many layers so revelation um it's like an onion there's going to be a lot of layers and you can peel it back and reflect on it from many different angles and perspectives on a on a first level here we should be transported back to the exodus story which is our story of faith a lot of t- i you know i think sometimes as jesus followers we We love the New Testament and the Old Testament sometimes bewilders us, but that is part of our story too. And that is part of our heritage as Christians. And so we need to think back and remember our story of when our people were enslaved in Egypt And God, through these great miraculous works, freed the people whose hearts were dedicated to him. And that is one very basic layer of these angels, what they're coming to the earth to do. They're coming to free God's people. And people whose hearts are set on God are going to be released from their pain and their suffering and their struggles. But you also think about that Exodus story the point of those plagues wasn't to punish the egyptians although it did punish the egyptians the point of those plagues was god was trying to turn their hearts to him he was trying to capture their attention he was giving them a wake-up call and saying look let my people go i am the one true god i am mightier than all of your gods little g gods there like and and all of his plagues intentionally were against different egyptian gods if i'm remembering correctly they were Showing his power over these different
0: You know over the system over the quote-unquote
1: beings that the Egyptians had concocted and so here we're seeing once again But then you have to think to yourself. Well, why is God sending these plagues once again? We're not enslaved by the Egyptians. We're not under Pharaoh's hard-hearted rule Necessarily and and so we have to think to ourselves. Well, What's the application here? Then you think where am I in the story? am I an Israelite who to me, this is comforting. Cause I'm seeing God once again is bringing his power and might and he's going to free me from the, from the persecution, from the suffering, from the pain. Or is this terrifying to me because I have hardened my heart. And that's where, can I skip ahead to the end of chapter nine? You want me to put a pause in it? We're going to put a pin in that. We'll so, pick up there later.
0: Well, because it's a call to repentance. Again, don't Don't read it and think God is literally sending these things in the future to make people repent. John is using the imagery of Exodus to make the people right then reading it wake up Mm -hmm. that these types of things in our life, like plagues, I mean, right now, we're, you know, maybe you're listening to this later, and the the current COVID plague is over. But we're actually living in a plague, right? And it raises questions for the audience to realize that when difficult things happen in life, especially when difficult things happen because we turn from God, there's then a question of what will you do now? Mm-hmm. And so it's not literally like God is going to turn the sea to blood again. I suppose that could happen, but it's more meant to wake them up and say, what do you do now? Like, Mm -hmm. are you going to, because again, we have to think in the, like you were, like you were doing, thinking through the mind of the church. The question then is, do they turn to the Roman empire Mm -hmm. for help? Do they turn to their false gods like the Egyptians, or do they turn to Yahweh who wants to free them from this? So in our lives we have these same things say we don't need to wait for the blood to be turned to water there's the question of what do we turn to now and they're going to get into the beast and into the other things and sort of say now let me show you the two options of what you can choose Mm -hmm. you can choose the throne room or you can choose the way of evil which gets into the locusts which we'll talk about later but it's putting the choice before us right now
1: and remember the original audience were the seven churches And if you remember the seven churches, two of them were more in the position of the Israelites, where they're being persecuted, and they're not fitting in the system, and it's crushing them, literally. Five of the churches are going along with, if we're continuing our uh, analogy, our parallelism here— Five of the churches are blending in with the crowd. They're working with the Egyptians, which in this case is the Roman Empire. They're fitting in because it's more comfortable. You don't experience as much oppression. And so to those five churches, this is a big wake-up call. Oh, we aren't being God's people. And what happened when you choose the closest local power instead of God? There's repercussions. God's trying to get their attention and draw them back to him, soften their hearts so that they don't end up like the Egyptians did, losing their firstborn child, being destroyed, having crops and their economic status ruined because they trusted a false God instead of the true God.
0: Yeah, well, and that's why when we when we get to chapter nine, and I want to sort of flow into that here, is the fifth trumpet. You know, Craig Kester, who wrote a really awesome book in Revelation, says this trumpet is not direct or he says is not direct divine punishment, but a revelation of what it would mean for God to hand over the world to other powers. So it's, it's showing, we got through the throne room, right? Which shows what it's like when God is in power mm-hmm. and all are welcome and there's worship, there's love. Revelation 21 ends up showing this, the peace, no more pain, no more suffering. These images say when you choose any power system or way other than God, here is what you can expect to happen. You're not going to be saved. In fact, up from the abyss are going to come these ugly locusts who torture you. And I mean, I think we've seen that with world governments and power structures and economies. They don't bless everyone. In fact, they hurt most people while saying, we're working for you. We care for you. Mm -hmm. It's just destructive.
1: So what's really cool from a historical perspective of chapter nine, now that you have the context, we're talking to this is probably primarily for the five churches who are blending in with the Romans, the Romans are protecting them. And now you've got these locusts coming up and it says that they're coming over from the euphrates and they're taking over and they've got they're like these composite beings well, right up like from
0: the up from the abyss and and if you read about them they're a miss mishmash of creation right it's kind that, of meant to make you feel a little repulsed
1: also i think an analogy to some of the made-up gods that were composites you think about the ancient deities sure. like the greeks and stuff some of them had weird composite it could be blends my hypothesis, yeah. but yeah, I think you are you getting toward the okay. Parthians. But right? what I what I was getting at is the this is aimed at people who are living in the Roman Empire, trusting that the Roman Empire is their source of protection. Right? They've they've bought into the lie of their system, and they're they're living there instead of focusing on living mm-hmm. God's way. Now, what's interesting about these locusts is they say historically that. A lot of the imagery associated with these locusts would have referred to the Parthians who were the one feared enemy of the Roman Empire. There was a constant fear that the Parthians would have an uprising and come from the direction of the Euphrates River and take over Rome. And that would cause the fall of the Roman Empire. Which I
0: talk about them quite a bit in the book. So we didn't talk about the Four Horsemen on the podcast because it's in the book. And there's a lot of historical context of that there.
1: Yes, But just historically, then you're thinking, so now this is going to scare the hearts of the people who have trusted this system is my protection. Now you've got this imagery coming in of their source of protection is now gone. Yeah. And what happens when your source of protection gets turned over, which, of course, then we come to think, well, God, the true God... God of the universe can't be overthrown. So right. that, that gives you more security and comfort in him.
0: Well, and the Parthians supposedly lad I think his first name is George Ladd, but don't quote me. He wrote a, a commentary and he says the Parthians were supposedly knowing or were known for wearing long hair. So even the locusts is described like, as wearing long hair like women, women hair. Right. Yeah. Um, and they're so opposite of the beings in the throne room. They're so you crazy. think of right. Well when you think of the <laughs> throne room it talks about one looked like an ox, one looked like a man, one looked like an eagle, one looked like a lion. Here these locusts have all of it put together. And you think of the elders casting their crowns before the throne. Here the the locusts just wear their crowns, right? They just have them on their head, the breastplates of iron, um let's see the stinger. Like yeah king over them the angel the abyss um they are doing the opposite oh here it is on their heads they wore something like crowns of gold and so they're the opposite of god's Mm. way and they just bring that destruction and again it's meant to make them feel hemmed in again we're meant to feel like these are ugly we're meant to feel like there's no way out And that's because there's not. And that's what it's trying to tell us. If we trust in any economy, system, power, security of the world, it's always going to fail us because it wasn't created to offer that. But God's throne room is available. So we have to choose. And on top of it, when we feed the ugly system and join a part of it, we encourage this type of ugliness, Mm -hmm. uncreation, anti-creation, destruction Mm -hmm. in the world.
1: You're either part of it or you're not. Right. There's no in between. Right. So one other thing I want to point out, which is just a cool, like, fun fact about nature here, but I think these are the things we miss in our culture because we don't know this as normal everyday information anymore. But it talks about how these um this swarm of locusts being things Come and are allowed to torture people for five months,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and what's interesting is what we can easily overlook is five months is the natural lifespan of a locust. So, again, with numerology numbers meaning things here, it's a very basic number that the original audience would have heard this and they would understand. Oh, they're allowed to do this for the life cycle of locust. Well, a locus. well and
0: that's what like Lads said that season. five months is the length of time in Israel when locusts can attack the crops.
1: Right. So it's that season. So it's saying the the author here is saying they come for their season and for the course of time that they live, which we can overlook. And I think this is where it becomes easy for us to buy into the left behind theology and harder for us to understand the true application because we don't have an original meaning. So it becomes something easy for us to say five months. Right. We're looking for a (laughs) hardship that's lasting five, five months. Well, but it's not about the five months. A locust is five months of hardship. Whatever hardships come, come in a season. And we know this to be true, right? You think about um, grieving the death of a lost one or battling through cancer. When we have a hardship that a we pandemic. experience, or in this case, the pandemic, <laughs> it's going to last for the season it lasts. Right. And for that season, there's much hardship. There's weeping. There's pain and suffering. And it's what happens when the hardship ends then. And that's where I really like, I want to draw your attention to the end of chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. It says, the rest of humankind who are not killed by these plagues, so they came through the hardship, did not repent of the works of their hands or give up worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their fornication or their thefts. And that right there is the biggest warning of all. See, we're all going to go through suffering. Well, he's we're all, telling
0: you the point right there. He's right. like back to here's what this all is about. We're people gonna, still didn't turn around. We're in all right
1: going to go through things. But these people went through something and in the end were as unchanged as if they hadn't gone through this mm. hardship. And who is it in the Bible who goes through hardship after hardship after hardship? And in the end, his heart is hardened and it meant nothing? Again, Pharaoh. We're going back to. The pharaoh's story and what happens because he never repented. People lost lives. He he lost massive armies. There, it never worked out for him. And I think this then for me is a real caution. When we go through something, which we all do, it's a natural part of life. No matter where your source of suffering comes from, it hits everybody. Um, At the end... Do you get through it and then go back to worshiping the the capitalism, economy, your political party, whatever it is? Your own
0: freedom. Your own freedom. I mean, that's been the biggest one we've seen in this pandemic. Mm -hmm. I, I don't need to wear a mask because I'm fine. You do you. I do me. That's one of the biggest statements of I'm not in this world for other people. I'm in it for myself. And... Hundreds of thousands of people died. I mean, that's why it says right here, a third of humanity died. Like, how frequently do people die? Because we don't care about the environment and people are starving. Yeah. We don't care about sweatshops. We don't care about military conflict. We don't care. Like, we we just earn it for ourselves. We don't pay attention and repent. And people literally die. So, I mean, that's what it's trying to say is when we don't go with the way of God, which is the way of self-sacrificial love, service, mercy, grace, people literally die.
1: Yeah, it's sobering. And I think that's where when we when we can understand the history, now our focus has taken off of keeping track of where we are on the end of times calendar. And now our focus is on understanding and reflecting on our life. Yeah. And one of the things we're going to caution you with and, you know, I we can't say this enough is revelation is not a tool for us to look at somebody else and cast judgment on them. Right. Never, ever. Revelation is a tool for the hearer yeah. to listen and hear where they are in the story. It's not a tool to judge another person and their path, but but to to explore where you could be in this path and hear your call to repent if you're identifying with the one whose heart is hardened or who isn't being changed towards God, or to seek comfort and be comforted because you recognize that you have faced constant oppression and persecution and hardship, and it's on God's behalf, and you see here that God will come through just as he did from the Egyptians. So once again, we've got this profound imagery, and God gives it to us as a gift for our hearts. It's a gift to us, so that we can do with it as we are called upon. Whether your call here, after these two chapters, is to repent
0: Mm.
1: and to turn your ways. And repent means to leave what you are doing and turn towards a new way of doing things. So either repenting towards God or experiencing God's comfort that all of this power and might, it, it doesn't change God's position in the universe.
0: And and I think it's making it really serious, as you said, that there's no in between. Either you're a part of God's throne room and making a more peaceful, just, loving world, or we're a part of the ugly locust, Parthians, anti-creation, causing damage. And when we go through difficulty. We have to choose which system are we a part of? Which mm-hmm. type of world are we creating? What do we really trust? Not just in our minds, but what do we trust with our actions? Is it money? Is it our job? Is it our government? What do we really trust?
1: And this is why I believe Revelation is cyclical. It's yeah. because you keep getting these images in different ways, with different focuses, and maybe something hits your heart the Third time the cycle goes through and you finally get it. And you finally can see where you are in the story. It's not not because it's going to happen time and time again, but because it is constantly happening. The cycle, just like seasons are constantly happening, there's constantly this cycle of hardship, suffering, victory. And you have Mm -hmm. to figure out where you are in that. And the thing is, it's not also a one-time finding. You don't one day realize I'm one of the five churches. I need to repent. Now I'm good forever.
0: It's it's a
1: daily choice every day with what you choose to consume, with what you choose to purchase, with, with the words you choose to speak to other people, with the actions you live your day out with. Every choice we make is either choosing God's way or the way of our world. And that's a huge weighty responsibility but that's what that's the life God calls us to Christ didn't walk the world and leave it and just say of your stuff doesn't matter as long as your heart and mind are in the right spot. No, his very life was one of action. And that's what we are called to emulate. And Revelation is bringing that home for us.
0: Absolutely. It's setting before us life and death, as Deuteronomy said, and giving us plenty of opportunity to repent, really showing us the truth behind what we're doing in the world and saying, hey, you can choose real life or here's the alternative. And it's your opportunity. It's your choice. But... I think john hopes we choose life and friends we hope that you choose life as well um so thank you for being with us as we explore chapters eight and nine we'll be uh finishing this series next week with chapter 11 at least we'll see how much of 10 we get into we can't cover everything obviously but if you want to continue with this series as well as gain access to tons of other content uh live events revelation practices other podcasts and blog posts we highly recommend you go check out patreon and not only do you get access to all of that, but you help support this ministry that's reaching people with some really cool free content as well. So friends, thank you so much for being with us. We will see you next time. Grace and peace be with you.